Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. Sarah Masoni is out for today, but we wanted to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the hustling, bustling mom business owners out there. We see you and we love you and we know that it's hard work to raise a family and have a biz. So thank you for everything that you do. Do. We also want to thank our sponsor for supporting Masoni and Marshall. Thank you for helping to spread the word about small women entrepreneurs and their businesses. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers as well as farmers, fisher folk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. I would like to introduce you to our guest today. Please meet Joanna Strom, owner of Small Baking Company, making cookies and cakes with local ingredients and organic grains in Oregon City. Welcome, Joanna. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you could join us. And we always like to let our listeners find a way to find you online and follow along on your journey. So where would they find you? Um, At www.smallbaking.co, Instagram handle Small Baking Co., Facebook Small Baking Co. Perfect. Consistency across the board. I like that. (laughs) Well, and I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to you. When we first met, you weren't a mom, but you are now. So happy Mother's Day. Yeah, thank you. Same to you. What a a journey. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So how old is your child? Um, He pretty much, he turned three in February. So I've got a three-year-old. That's so awesome. And what's it like to be a business owning market mom? Mm. Um, I mean, wonderful, but with its challenges, there's such a strong community in the farmer's market of mom owned businesses. Um, So it's really nice to like complain to each other about (laughs) parenthood, (laughs) Um, you know, and find and, you know, share funny stories um, and all that. So uh, great. I guess I really shouldn't complain. <laughs> well, it's a hard life. I, I, you know, always see 
I have similar, you know, journeys with all the moms and see when, you know, first you're just like pregnant on the market and then you have a baby you're toting around and nursing and things like that. And then there comes to be a point where they can't really come to the market with you because it would just be you chasing them around. And then there's a point where they rejoin again later, which is where I'm at now. My daughter will come with me sometimes and sometimes not. It depends on if she's into it, but such a fun ride. I'm excited for the next stage. He does like, he really likes stopping by my booth, um, like with his dad and getting a treat. And um, he is a really good market shopper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's like my favorite part is just having the kids be part of the farmer's market and know all the people and their favorite things to get. And they know when like, it's berry season is always a fun time. Yes. Well, I wanted to start at the beginning of your journey and talk about what sparked your interest in baking and how you came to be a bakery business owner. Yeah, um, I'll try to keep it brief because there's been twists and turns. Um, Probably a similar story to most bakers in that I was baking with my mom since I was little. Um, And then pretty much from 16 on, I found myself in like food establishments um, for all my jobs, like through college and everything. Um, And so I just kind of started and never left. And then um, after college, I tried some desk jobs um, and felt very unfulfilled and like out of place. Um, And I took a like accelerated pastry program in San Francisco um, and then from there, like wiggled my way to interning at Tartine, um, just through the summer, um, working on the weekend while I had a full-time job. Um, and then after that felt like I was ready to pursue baking full-time, um, got a job at Batter Bakery in San Francisco, which is like a little neighborhood bakery that works with whole grains and lots of local ingredients. And, um, for about three years there, I just worked my way up and learned how to make make like your own recipes with uh, whole grains and how to run a, a bakery and just kept working, working, working. <laughs> and then I moved here and um, I actually tried a satellite of Batter Bakery here. So I, I basically got like a crash course in how to start a bakery um, from like bootstrapping. So like going out to cafes with a menu and um, asking if they wanted samples and if they wanted to buy our product and getting into farmer's markets and where to source local ingredients. Um, We tried it for about a year. It didn't work out. And um, she encouraged me to, she's like, you're doing a great job. Why don't you just go do it on your own? I said, oh, this was a really stressful year. I don't think I can do it. Um, (laughs) And I did. (laughs) And then, and that was seven years ago. And the business has just built kind of um, slowly from there. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I, of course, know your story. So don't feel like you're repeating it or you're saying things that um, I already know because it's okay. But um, Joanna and I know each other because we are farmer's market neighbors. So if people come, if you're a local listener and you come to the Portland State University farmer's market on Saturdays, we have been booth neighbors for many years I don't know how long we have been in the same spot we're down um on the you know the entryway to the market by the fountain we have both 
been in that zone for quite a long time and been neighbors. And you can find Joanna's booth in the morning because there is a line of people <laughs> lined up ready to get her baked goods. And um, you usually do sell out at that market. Yeah. Is yeah. that common for all your markets or just that one? We often sell out at all the markets. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Part of it is kind of, I don't like to sell out for customers, but a bit of it is strategic planning um, because we don't have a great way to deal with leftovers since we don't have a retail shop. Mm -hmm. so a little bit of it by design is by design. A little bit of it is not being able to keep up with demand. Yeah, which is, you know, it's a great problem. And that is how b bakeries and, you know, like bakeries fish people, they want to sell everything so that yeah. they don't go home with everything, especially if they don't have a store. So it's like, it is kind of a hard balance, but sometimes you can sell out pretty early. So if people want to get your baked goods after listening to this, my suggestion <laughs> would be to get there in the morning because then you'll have choice of so many different things. Let's um, tell people what kinds of things you bring to the farmer's market. Lots of cookies with um, different whole grains, but they'll be most of them will be kind of fun twists on familiar flavors. So, you know, the most we sell is the chocolate chip sea salt cookie because it's approachable. So, um, you know, anyone feels comfortable buying one and trying one. And then um, one of our more unique flavors is a ginger molasses cookie with a lemon glaze. And then um, so several types of cookies, a handful of scones that'll have seasonal ingredients mixed in, um, whether it be like seasonal jam that we make in house or um, we've got, we'll do a savory scone next week with some farmer's market produce, um, sticky buns, cake slices, weather permitting um, with local fruit mixed in. That's about it. Cool. And, you know, my daughter is a big fan of your cookies because you have all these different, um, you know, custom and themed cookies that people can get from you on your website. But at the farmer's market, it will kind of change depending on where we're at in different seasons. So if it's a different holiday, you might have a different holiday cookie or I know oftentimes when she was little, her favorite were your unicorn cookies. Mm -hmm. Like You always have these really fun things. Do you have a favorite? Um, are those called frosted cookies? What do you call them? I call them, there's so many names. I call them decorated cookies. So they're like a vanilla shortbread cookie with a royal icing designs on top. Perfect. Well, they're so cute. And if people want to go on your website, they can see, or even your Instagram, they can see different um, versions that you have. Do you have a favorite of those decorated cookies to make? Oh, that I've done? I feel like I should say for everyone listening that I'm not doing as many custom cookie orders anymore because they're so time consuming. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I still do them for the holidays. Um, I, and I do a lot for the holidays. Um, so what would be my favorite design? done so many I like the animals that I do around the seasons like I'll do a springtime bunny or um polar bear with a little scarf on it it just gets well, you in the mood for the holidays and I recently when I went and visited you in Oregon City that was around Valentine's Day and oh, so yeah. you had ones with a little you had the conversation heart cookies and with a little pen and people could write their own little notes on it it was so cute yeah I love that one that was really nice. And then also we've had um, 
you make birthday ca- uh, cupcakes for Adeline's birthday over the years. So you also do some custom like cakes and cupcakes. Are you still mm-hmm. doing that kind of thing? I am doing that. And then that's actually one part of the business that I'm working on growing. Perfect. So let's tell people about what kinds of things like that you offer. Um, custom cakes, cupcakes, um, for anything from bridal showers, lots of little kids' birthdays, which I actually really love doing, um, up to, you know, fancy wedding cakes. So a little bit of everything for whatever you want to celebrate. And you have a certain um, variety of flavors that you offer with those kinds of things. What so many? Yeah, um, I've got it. It's all listed on my website, and I right now have a kind of mix and match option. So I say the cake base, and then you can choose your buttercream flavor and your filling flavor. Perfect. And those you can't always have at the market because it because it's buttercream, so it melts, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a nightmare! Yes. <laughs> I mean, even just trying to decorate it, like I've got a wedding cake this week and our new production space is so warm. I'm nervous about it. I'll make it happen, but it's it'll be challenging. Yeah, let's tell people about your new space. So um, so you recently moved to a new space in Oregon City, right? Yeah. And where were you at before? So before... My own space, I was subletting um, from Albina City Nuts up in North Portland um, with one other tenant. Um, And it was wonderful, Um, like a really great space, great experience, great kitchen mates. Um, But it was really far from my hometown in Oregon City. And I basically outgrew the time that was available there. Um, So I got to this point where it was basically time to fish or cut bait. and. this production space opened up in Oregon City and I I went for it. It was mostly the space was mostly or was all built out, which is what allowed me to be able to take it basically. Because it was ready for you to move into. Yeah. yeah not a huge startup cost. Mm-hmm. And are you liking it? Are you liking the new space? I'm so happy. Uh, it's the first time I think since I started the business that I could create my own schedule. Mm-hmm. And you know, having a kid that's super important because now I can work while he's in daycare. Yeah, that's um, you know, for all of us small business owners, when you first start out, it's so wonderful to share space with people, and you know, you you kind of just have to be flexible to what hours are available. You know, when I first started and shared a kitchen with someone, I would you know, work my regular job and then come in late night and and work at night while no one was in the kitchen. And that was totally fine. And and I was grateful and thankful to do that. Mm-hmm. But then as you grow, you have more stuff. And so sometimes you have to move that stuff in and out. And I was always packing things from my home to the kitchen, but then I couldn't leave them there. So then I would have to move them out or, or then I had to rent space within the kitchen, which also gets really expensive. And then you grow out of that too, you know, and, yep. and then, um, and then when you have a family, then that's when it gets really tricky because I couldn't work overnight hours. You know, I had to put my child to bed. And in the beginning, it's like, you have to be there. You can't just like put them to bed and then leave. Like, right. like right. it gets a little hard. So I'm glad that you, you know, found a space that worked for you. Are you um, sharing that space with anybody? Or are you looking to share it with anyone? Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to bring on one new small business that's going to sell different types of baked goods at 
the Oregon City Farmers Market. They're gonna they have full time jobs, so they're gonna try it out and do some afternoon baking in there. Um, and I'm hoping to find one or two others, kind of you know, small new businesses that need the space in this area. Um, I'm not totally filling up the time yet, so if I can help out other businesses by giving them the space, um, yeah. So if there's and it would help me obviously too with rent. Yeah, if there's any listeners out there that are looking for some baking time, if you're a new, starting a new business or um, just need a little space, you can contact Joanna, maybe just through your website. Is that a good way to do it? Yeah, Yeah. just contact through your website and see if it's a good fit. But you know, it is kind of like you're interviewing roommates and people to share a life with. So it has to fit right. So um, I wish you luck in finding people that it works with. Um, We're going to take a quick break. And then I want to come back and talk about um, your local commitment to sourcing local ingredients. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, we are back, and I want to talk about your sourcing philosophy. It sounds like you learned a lot of that at your prior establishment that you worked at and then um, brought it over into your business. But let's talk about where you source from, what you source, those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, I do kind of want to start off by saying that um, I feel like I can always do better on this, especially um, while I've been like so busy the past year or so and I'm kind of just trying to keep up with demand and not being able to be creative and thinking about how I can incorporate more and more um you know local produce and all that and kind of just had my head down making what what I know sells but um so obviously the easiest start is if you sell at a farmer's market you meet all your vendor friends mm-hmm. um not only does it you know spark creativity but you start those partnerships um and you, it inspires new recipes. Um, and it, sometimes it gets the farms talking about what you're making. Um, it's just a really nice, like cyclical, you know, way to give back to the farms. Like it feels good being able, being able to buy large amounts of produce so that I can reuse it and sell it like in a scone. Whereas if I was just a customer, I can only use a little bit. Um, so it just, it feels really good being able to make that impact. So um, I don't know, one of my strategies has kind of been to talk to farms and let them know that I'll take, if they have an abundance of something in a season, that I'd be happy to take some of their extras and turn it into something like with um, berries, it's really easy to just make a ton of jam if the farmers haven't sold some by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else, um, you know, other ingredients, it's hard to source locally. Like, um, I do make traditional, uh, items that have butter eggs. Um, I was able to find an egg source through winter's farm when they have enough to sell wholesale. Um, but other things, it's just impossible. Um, and then I get organic grains from Camas country mill, which I think, most bakers in the area are actually doing, which is so awesome. 
Um, what else? I don't know. I'm sure. Yeah, I, well, I think with, um, you know, if people are familiar with farmer's markets and, and farmer's market um, applications and how you get into the farmer's market, you know, they really want to encourage you to source from local farms, so source from local people, pick, you know, good local ingredients, which is um, wonderful. But in, in theory, it's the greatest thing ever, but in mm -hmm. practice, sometimes it's challenging. And, um, you know, I think that that's when you have to get really into like just doing one small thing seasonally that is, um, you know, you can only make this savory scone with asparagus. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that you do, but you know, something oh, like that. Yeah. 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 Just something easy that you can do. But I think the green piece is really harder because, um, you know, I, for years have just done sauces. So I just needed produce. So it was really easy for me to do all these different sauces. But then I started doing this pasta, this dried pasta, mm -hmm. and it was really challenging to figure out where to get the amount of grain that I needed. I mean, I ended up also going to Camas County grain, yeah. but at first I was like, Oh, I'll just go to the other people here at the market. So I'll mm -hmm. talk to, you know, um, Lonesome Whistle, or I'll talk to Sun Gold Farm, the people that have some kind of flowery grain thing, and we can talk about it. But it was like, I couldn't get enough to do a batch that was big enough, you know, to have a product each week at the market. So, um, so sometimes that's challenging, but I would just say to people to ask other people that you know that are using grain. Oh, so if yeah. you're not sure, go to Joanna or go to me and talk to us about who we who we have been able to find things from because we usually know, even if it's not something that we can use, we know who has enough of things to sell. Yeah. Um, and and it does, but that it also does kind of change. The pandemic made things a little bit weird and hard for everybody. So I think that's when people ran out of things like eggs and and um, you know, it's when we lost our pasta maker at the market. He the person who sold pasta for years retired, which is why I started doing pasta because people just sort of all of a sudden disappeared that had been around forever. And so yeah. like we all kind of had to change a little bit and do different things. Um, so we know where you get your grains from, we know where you get your produce from, but then let's tell people where you sell at other than we talked about the PSU market, but what other markets do you sell at? Oregon city farmers market where this year I'll finally be there every single weekend. I was doing every other for a long time. Nice. Um, so I'm really happy about that. Um, the King farmers market, which is in Northeast Portland on Sundays, um, it is seasonal. So it runs May through Thanksgiving. Um, that's like a really great community-based market. It's nice and small, but um, people really show up and I love it. Um, and some of the same vendors are at PSU and King. Um, and then that's it for farmer's markets. Uh, and then a little bit of catering and a little bit of wholesale. Where, and who do you wholesale to? Um, I used to do a lot more wholesale before the pandemic and before my kid came mm -hmm. um, so I could do deliveries, you know, in the morning. Um, uh, and then a lot of it shut down during the pandemic, um, which actually I don't love wholesale. Um, I just, it has its unique challenges. Um, and so I lost a lot of the business in, in businesses. Um, anyways, a few stuck with me. Um, 
And now I just deliver once a week. Um, so it has to be like just the right fit. It's mostly like just cookies that I deliver. Um, and I sell to like Scotty's Pizza Parlor, both locations, Devil's Still Sandwich Shop, Cinema 21. And I actually just started delivering to World Foods, which is a little bit of a bigger uh, account. Fun. But just a handful. Yeah. Very manageable. I think um, having those wholesale accounts is also really nice for times when maybe the farmer's market is very slow or when you can't quite do as many events and it like just keep, keeps the money kind of coming in so you can do things like pay your rent, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, things like that. Yeah, it's a really good idea to, you know, if you're thinking about starting a bakery to have, yeah, diversified revenue streams. Yeah, well, that was kind of going to be the next question I was going to ask you is that, um, you know, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast have not yet started a business. But if we do have some women out there with baking business dreams, what kind of advice would you give them? I mean, starting is always right. The first step, just do it. Um, I don't know. Why not start like me? Why not? explore wholesale accounts, go into cafes, say, do you want to try a sample box? And then you need to, you know, bring them your wholesale order sheet um, and some samples and things like that. I'm also happy if anyone has questions to like go into more detail um, later, but, um, and then farmer's markets are a great place to grow your customer base. Um, You can, you know, not only can you sell right there, like you set up your own little retail shop um, where you already know customers are going to be. And then um, your goal could either be to continue selling there. Um, and it could also be to kind of pull in customers um, for, you know, catering um, or both. So I don't know, apply to farmer's markets, apply to events around town. Um, yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. I think that um, kind of always the first step is just to start. Yeah. <laughs> start, start something and then you'll learn along the way for sure. Oh, yeah. Do you think that you have a um, a treat or a baked good that um, tells your story best? Oh, I should have prepared better. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll just pick one. The ginger molasses cookie with lemon glaze. Um it's actually a great example because my best friend while I was going through pastry school asked me to like to make this flavor cookie um, for her office. And I sort of got to tweaking a recipe. Um, I, th- I must have found a recipe in a book. And then, I mean, now it's so tweaked with whole grains and and the icing and all that, that it's you know, very much my own recipe, but, um, that was probably one of the first orders that I got back in San Francisco and, um, yeah, and developed that cookie. And then, um, it just stayed on my like menu ever since then. And it's been wildly popular. So that's a good one. I've had that one a lot. Sometimes if I, um, forget to bring breakfast or lunch, which happens often for me at the market, and then I can't leave, then what keeps me alive is one of your cookies. (laughs) So thank you. Thanks for making it so I can still be here today. <laughs> I do what I do. You're um, I was going to say that um, holidays probably trigger like a really busy season for you. What do you think is your um, like busiest time as far as custom orders? Is it like wedding time? Mm-hmm. Is it summer? Not weddings for me because 
I just, I don't do a lot of weddings. Um, what is busy? I mean, May opening month of markets, May is, is really busy. And then there's kind of a spike at each holiday because I do a lot of fun custom stuff, um, partly for selfish reasons. Cause I love it. So like Halloween, mm-hmm. Christmas, Valentine's, Valentine's is crazy. It might actually be the busiest holiday, which is great because you know, it's when businesses, it's slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's a good time to be busy because usually I think for businesses like January and February no- notoriously is very slow. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And do you ship things to people if they want, or do you just do they need to be here and get it from you in person? Not no shipping at this time. Okay. Cool. I did see on your website that you are hiring. Is that still true? Um Yes. Yes. I'm looking for some farmer's market help, but only on like a fill-in basis. I feel so lucky that I actually found people to work Saturday and Sundays. Yay! I have three different helpers. Um, Two of them are returning and one is new and they have like nine to five jobs Monday through Friday. And yet they still want to work at a market Saturday or Sunday. Um, But I need a little bit more help for days that basically I can't work on the weekend. Um, and then soon, you know, I'm going through this like big growth straight stage right now. Um, and I'm kind of fleshing out what the next few years will look like. And I'll definitely need to hire some production help. I'm just not quite there yet. Cool. But it, and it, so if people, um, maybe are thinking of, going into the baking biz or you're um, wanting to get some kind of experience, maybe keep Joanna in mind. If she needs Mm -hmm. some help, you can get your foot in the door just like she did. Yeah. The other bakeries. Um, And you currently have a GoFundMe going. Is that still going or did you, did you finish it? Uh, It's ongoing. Ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. So if people are interested in helping out with that, that is to get her new kitchen up and running with um, new equipment and and things like that. So you can check that out. If you're interested, there's a link on her Instagram. And and incentives. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> incentives. That's yeah. the key. That's the key to getting, giving people to um, give to your GoFundMe. So go check those out. And then I also wanted to mention, because we talked about you selling out, that people can pre-order, right, before Thank the you. market. Yes. So how would they go about doing that? Um, it's a link on my website. What is it called? I just changed the name to try to make it even more obvious, and now I can't remember. But it's a pretty clear link on my website. Um, and you can order up until noon on Friday, and you can literally just order one buckwheat jam scone and put it in your shopping cart and then you have a selection of which market you want to pick it up at and we'll have it ready for you that is a way to do it yes have you always done that yes I think that yes for quite a while now um not a lot of people take advantage of it and I think that you know, part of the joy of the market is just shopping around and looking at all your options. So I, I do understand why some people choose not to do that. But if you're getting upset that, you know, your favorite cookie is sold out every market. Yeah. This is the way to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the biggest challenge is for you as a bakery owner? 
probably every small business owner's challenge, which is like work-life balance. Um, it's particularly challenging with a product that's not shelf stable um, and that are really expensive to make, but you can only charge so much for. Um, so definitely baking has its unique extra challenges. Not for the pain at heart. (laughs) Yeah. Do you live by like baker's hours? Like, are you getting up at like, you know, 3 or 4 a.m. and baking or are you, how do you, how do you make it work? Yes. Yes. Before the farmer's markets, um, but not some days, no, some days, yes. But mostly I do try to create my schedule that it's normal working hours um, because a lot of it is just kind of prepping stuff. So it can be done anytime. That's good. And then you said that you don't work farmers markets on weekends. Usually, is that because you're baking? You're like making. Oh no, I actually I work. I've had a pretty good schedule the past few years where I pretty much just worked Oregon City every other Saturday, mm-hmm. um, and I found that that gave me a good balance. Um, and then I'm like not supposed to work the other Saturdays and Sundays with the new space. Everything's a little yeah crazy, and I'm kind of back to working seven days a week. But anyways. Um, <laughs> hopefully that Um, will change soon it it will it totally will um uh so yeah I was loving working every other Saturday because I'm an introvert and probably wouldn't get out if I didn't work every Mm -hmm. other Saturday um so that's been really good for me and then you know the rest of the time is Sundays and other Saturdays are family time cool I like that I like that you're working that into it what do you think in your business brings you the most joy? What part of it? Mm-hmm. I honestly still just love the production part. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in a kitchen and having to get a lot done efficiently. I love the repetitive tasks that I get to do. It's so weird, but like, give me scones to portion all day. Kind of meditate on it. I love it. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. I like to make the sauce. That's my favorite yeah. part. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and I love the farmer's market community, but, um, yeah, my home is in the kitchen. Yeah. I feel that for sure. I love to fill the bottles. I love that. It's like, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. I know what I need. I like to like create some good, like vibes. I like to have my music go in, you know, (laughs) totally, totally. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. So we talked a little bit about, you do have some staff. So how big is your team of people? What do you got going on? I'm training someone like we've been in training for about a month now and she is up to full-time production staff, which is the first time I've had a full-time employee, which is exciting and scary. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, so just one full-time production staff and then my three farmer's market helpers, um, which they either work every weekend or every other kind of whatever works for them. Yeah, that's great. That's a good amount. Yeah, I think I need one more person and then I can, you know, keep growing kind of. Yeah. I'm very close to this next stage. <laughs> um, what do you think your, uh, we, we, you know, we like to talk about kind of like pre-pandemic and, cur- and current times, but like, what do you think it feels like to be a small business owner right now in this moment? Um, I don't know what it feels like for others. It it still feels uncertain to me. 
Um, but I don't know, you know, part of that is because I've got this space that I'm responsible for now and I've got a family I need to think about. Um, but you know, there's lots of questions with the economy. There's a lot of small businesses I admire that are deciding to stop for different reasons. Um, and yeah, so that's how it feels to me. Um, I mean, I'm not giving up anytime soon, but it, it does feel um, uncertain still. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that's what we're hearing from the community. But I also think that if that is how people are feeling, that it's just good to put it out there and talk about that. And then I yeah. think that, um, you know, it's also important to know what what you need from the community and how they can support you. So um, what do you need from your people, from the people that are listening? I mean, keep coming to the farmer's market, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, go every week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have, uh, yeah, that's the biggest one. Um, I have kind of a unique um, question to throw out there for the community. I, Oregon City does not have a compost program. And I don't have my own compost, which I know the easy answer theoretically is for me to start my own compost, but I don't have a way to do anything with my kitchen's compost. And we don't have a ton, but if anyone out there has any ideas, has a big old compost I can come to. Yeah. So Oregon City as a as a city doesn't have any composting? No, no, no commercial program, no residential program. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Expensive. Um, maybe we we're, you know, Oregon City's growing really fast. Mm -hmm. It used to be mostly, you know, there's still a lot of farms out here. Yeah, I was um, just in in New York and they don't have, you know, because there's such a big rat problem. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have composting like within, you know, your building or anything like that. But what they do, which is pretty cool, is that they you bring your compost to the farmer's market and there's a farmer's market booth set up. And then so you just once a week bring it there and then they take it from there and and, you know, yeah. do whatever they do with well, it. Yeah. I don't know what the next yeah. Maybe is, they got something set up with another business or yeah. Huh. But that's I wonder if it's something the farmer's market could could even look at you could suggest it to that I should reach out to the manager yeah it might not be a bad idea I mean that's what they do in New York and I'm sure there's some kind of incentive for it like the city must do something but that seems like a good way to do it and it's not anything that I've seen in Oregon and I just saw it there when I was there in New York last week so that's really neat yeah it's cool and they also do like um they have like one tent where you do that you bring your um compost and then they have one tent where you bring like old clothes that then they'll take to wow. different shelters and stuff like that. So it's just like a drop space. Very cool. um, so, and it, it looks to me like it's run by the farmer's market, uh, mm -hmm. but it could not, uh, you know, I don't know the details. I just know. I thought it was cool. <laughs> it is really cool. I love that idea. Right. Because it, it can be really hard for like one, you know, I'm just one business trying to do my best. Um, but yeah, often asking for help from a, a bigger organization. Yeah, that's usually yeah, for sure. Cool. Thanks for that suggestion. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, Joanna's saying keep coming to the farmer's market. And I think sometimes when I mention to people that I do the PSU farmer's market, it, you know, in these times, 
you know, right now, people are like, oh, I forgot about the market. I don't go go downtown anymore. I should really go down there. And so, yes, please, from both Joanna and I, please come down and see us. There's so many great vendors there. And we have been going the whole time. And yeah. the attendance has definitely changed. Like it's still a busy market, but it is not, you know, what it used to be. So if you are listening and you're a community member and you've gone to the BSU market before, please keep coming back back. every week. It's still a great, wonderful place to be. And we're all there ready to sell you some things and chat with you and see you. And um, so, yeah, please keep on coming to the market. Well, um, so Joanna, this is our time to wrap things up. So I just want to one more time tell people where they can come buy things from you directly. And um, let's give them the specifics of what days those markets are. You said, yeah. So Oregon City Farmers Market on Saturdays, every Saturday um, throughout the whole year. Winter, we go to every other Saturday. Um, PSU Farmers Market every Saturday, every weekend, like forever and ever. Um, right? They pretty much never take a Saturday off, which is awesome. Um, and then the King Farmer's Market is on Sundays in Northeast Portland. And I hope to someday, maybe my goal is in the next year to do a walk-up window at my space on probably on Fridays. Oh, that would be so cool. That's kind of my next big goal. Yeah, I like it. Well, in the meantime, everybody go and visit Joanna at the farmer's market. You can try her wonderful treats and meet her or her buddies in person. Well, thanks for joining me today and taking the time. And we'll make sure to connect people to you and your Instagram and your um, website. And I hope that they come out and see you at the market. Me too. I hope to see everyone at the markets. We record Missoni Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can DM us on our Instagram, Sonia Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.